0: Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi everybody and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today we have a super special guest, one of our New Jersey's own, Gabe De Silva. Hi Gabe. Hey Gabe.
1: Hey guys. Hey, thanks for having me on.
2: Oh, amazing to have you! So, a little bit about Gabe. Uh, Gabe De Silva is the president and owner of the De Silva group, uh, group Inc., and it is a privately owned group of real estate investment and development companies focused on residential redevelopment in New Jersey. Uh, Gabe specializes in the analysis, acquisition, renovation, management, and disposition of depressed real estate in specific markets throughout New Jersey. And he does a lot more than that. We can't yes. wait to get in for all the other facets for Gabe for what he's put into the business here. And Gabe, welcome been great.
1: Awesome. Thanks guys.
2: So how'd you get started in real estate?
1: So in a past life, I was in food service. Uh, Well, before that, even I was in finance. So my uh, educational background is in finance, uh, financial services and real estate finance. And I, uh, after getting let go twice in 18 months uh, by no fault of my own in the 07, 08 kind of crash, uh, I decided it was time to be the master of my own destiny. And I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. It wound up being food. So I actually owned and operated a restaurant for a few years. And then about three years ago, a little more sold out of that and took a six month sabbatical, kind of thought on what I wanted to do next. And I'd always grown up in and around real estate. My father was a builder. uh, So I guess subconsciously you don't realize how much of that stuff you internalize growing up in and around, um, in and around real estate. And that's where I think I was headed the whole time. I just took a few detours with the corporate finance stuff and the financial services stuff and then the food stuff and, uh, took to this three years ago, started with a little over three, started with my first cosmetic rehab and then started transitioning into bigger and bigger stuff at a levels and new construction and, just keep going and see where the stakes is.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, we all got to find our way somehow, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, so when somebody off the street comes up to you and says, Gabe, what do you do? What do you tell them?
1: So that question, like every other entrepreneur, we hate that question, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so
2: that's it's why we really, ask it, <laughs> to see where you it, come up with if it beats ours. <laughs>
1: it's, it's tough to answer that question. So what I find that like is best to do is tell them, we don't do what you see on TV. We do like we flip houses, but not like you see on TV. We do it for real. And then I make like the distinction between what it is that they see all the fancy stuff and what it is that we actually do day in and day out, how we find fun, fix and flip deals and how we don't do it in 45 minutes, how that actually takes four, five, six, eight, 12 months sometimes. And uh, that's the dialogue that I kind of have with them. And I find that that works if I don't want to tell them too much, then I just kind of rein it in a little bit. But like I said, I like to talk. So I get into it and we have a dialogue and people are really not impressed, but like interested in the difference when you say that, like, listen, the stuff you see on TV, that's bullshit. Here's what it actually is. And here's what we actually do. And you give them that distinction. And that's usually the way the dialogue goes when people ask.
0: Talking about TV, you have a show on YouTube that is killer called The Build. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I've
2: seen it. It's great. And it gives everything for what you just said. So so take
1: us through it. Yeah. So the build is a, it's a docu series that we created to highlight the realities of being a real estate investor and building a business in and around this space. And uh, I work with a videographer. He's with me now. He's actually capturing my side of the interview and I'm up and everything. Awesome. And the idea is to be, is to be super transparent and just show people that it's not that easy. It's not what you see on TV. Here's what it actually takes to find fun and fix, find fun, fix, and flip deals. Uh, the Docu series is uh, kind of like run and gun approach. We're in and out of the car, we're on site at jobs. We're meeting with sellers, We're uh, talking through design with our designers. and I think what what's most resonating with people, it's it's getting a lot of traction is the fact that it's real. Uh, we're not scripting and we're not editing. I mean, aside from clipping together stuff, everything you see is real. And so it's a docu-series, not, um, not a video series, I guess, is how you, is the distinction.
0: Nice. Right. We'll put that in the show notes.
1: And so talking
2: about your path, you, you talked about finding your place and that your father was a builder. You, how did you figure out what your route was going to be, your steps and your process? Mm-hmm. Where Where did maybe your father was a mentor, but what other sources did you lean on to really find your way?
1: So I would say that what we do differently from what he still does a little bit of and did for the longest time is we take a systematic approach to business. So we're, you know, at his prime, he would have done three or four or five deals a year. We'll do four five or six at any given time because we'll, Take and systematize the process. Uh, I guess that kind of comes from my experience in food service. In food service, it's it's relentless. If you don't systematize the operations in food service, you get bled dry from every imaginable angle. There's just so much shrink, so much wastage, um, so much labor. Like at least in our industry, I don't want to say it's forgiving, but like a 50 K wholesale buys you a lot of breathing room. Whereas in like the restaurant business, when we open, I think we had. At about 20, in the back of the gate was somewhere in like the mid thirties. So if you don't have a system whereby like you're bringing in more dollars than you're sending out, that's it. Like you're not going to, you're not going to get very far. And that's the approach that we took to this. I kind of looked at what other folks were doing. Just make sure we're building a good product, which my father always did and instilled in us. And then from there, how do I systematize and streamline whatever it is that we do to be more efficient and scale? Fantastic. So
2: you, you, you talk about your father doing, doing four or five, six deals a year, and then all of a sudden you're ramping up to do four or five, six deals at a time. How, how, do you, how do you set your mind to be able to take that action? Because ideally you don't have that around you. So, so you ramp up with really less knowledge and where, where your father was, but what, what really just set your mind right to be able to do so?
1: I'd say probably reading a lot of E-Myth and Think and Grow Rich and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the kinds of books, those like staples for entrepreneurs, the books that distinguish between being a uh, owner and an operator. Like We don't want to be technicians. I don't want to be swinging hammers. Uh, I, w- I don't want to be operating a business. I want to be owning a business, working on it, not in it, and that mindset shift I think comes as a result of reading a lot of those things, listening to a lot of the right podcasts and talking with other successful entrepreneurs. I, the one thing I love more than anything else is to get someone's ear who's, who's ahead of where we are. Anyone that's done what we're doing now and is scaled. I want to talk to that guy. And my first question is always like, stay small or get big. That's always where I start with them. And then that dialogue kind of opens up and they say, well, if you're going to grow, I mean, I still ask this question every time the answers are always different and i'm what, what i'm getting from it is if you're gonna grow just grow right and be systematic about everything that you're doing anything you do you know once um or twice like that's it now you should know how it's done how long it should take how much it should cost and you should be looking for someone to delegate it to got it so so I guess I'm, that's, gonna,
0: I'm gonna ask you the same question stay small or get big
1: so for, for me get big for sure i want to build i want to build this thing into a 50 million dollar company And so the only way to do that is to scale, systematize and scale and just the things that you're doing well, put a program or a system in place whereby they continue to happen and then start doing other things, um, which we're doing a lot of. We're in-housing and we're inventorying and warehousing material now and selling that. And we are, we've created a coaching program and we're doing the videography stuff, the build. And so all those things, like that's how you get big. I'm a firm believer that you don't, go from six to seven figures by doing more of what you did to make six. I think you can continue to do that and you can grow that way organically. I just feel like that takes a lot of time and I'm trying to make up for lost time. So Save here. always. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what's,
1: what's the biggest misstep people
2: source or, or take when they're trying to scale
1: biggest misstep, I think, well, and, and I'll admit that I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes is they, it's like, I guess, shiny object syndrome. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll see some, yeah, right. We get excited as entrepreneurs uh-huh. We're like, Oh, there's that thing. And then there's that thing. And there's that thing. And the thing that you were working on, that's making you money. That's like, this is the lifeblood of your business. You quickly forget about that. And you start jumping after these other things. And if this thing wasn't in a place where it was going to operate in and of itself without you, which it never will, you'll always need to be in there at least, overarching like looking at it and touching it every once in a while but if you jump away if you leave this alone and you go chase something else you'll quickly see that the thing that was making you money and keeping you going is no longer making you money and keeping you going or it is but it's not making quite as much so that's i think that's the mistake if you're trying to grow too big too fast and like i said i'm definitely guilty of that sometimes so i have to rein myself in and I'm fortunate to have a team that does that for me sometimes. When I come back from conferences, I'm like, oh, I got all this great stuff we got to go and implement. We got to do all this. They're like, wait a second. Let's do the stuff that we're doing now better. And then once that's figured out, then let's go and chase that shiny object that you're all excited about.
0: awesome. (laughs) What a great team. Yeah. So before we dive deeper into your future, we've all had this. What did your first deal look like?
1: My very first deal was a... Uh, cosmetic rehab. It was a big cape with a two car attached garage and it actually had a lot of really cool character and charm and millwork, um, travertine and just the design, everything about it was really, really cool. So instead of going in and gutting the thing completely, I tried to stay true to the character and charm of the house and just renovate the kitchens and the bathrooms. So I did, I did essentially a cosmetic rehab. We refinished floors and we re-roofed the house. Uh, the numbers I think we got in at two, two seventy-two. Uh, I want to say we spent maybe, maybe seventy-five or eighty-five, something like that. And we sold at four ninety-nine. Nice. And it over appraised at five eighteen. I remember these numbers because I up, yeah, I wound up giving the buyer a credit for the difference on the over appraisal. Um, that's the only reason I remember the out numbers. I don't. Rem- I, I remember the in numbers and the construction numbers are a little fuzzy. But it, it was a um, yeah, it was a kick-ass deal, and it's the one that got me started.
0: That's nice. awesome.
2: That's awesome. Now, if you fast forward to today, right? What does your team look like today? And, and uh, fast forwarding, I mean, it's been you've had a quick evolution. Where we're talking three, four years, or mm-hmm. yeah, three, wow. a little over three years. Amazing, amazing. So, what does the team look like?
1: So we've got an office manager in-house who is essentially handles all of our transactions. She does all of the bookkeeping in-house. She's responsible for calling in inspections, deals with the utility companies. Um, Anything administrative in the office that we've been able to systematize, um, she's done that alongside me and she basically runs those uh, processes. And then I've got a project manager in the field who's on, he's the boots on the ground on every project. So once we secure the project and see it through acquisition and we get sketches and we're ready for submissions, that's when he steps in and takes it through that process with the town and then starts fielding bids and getting guys on site, working through construction. Uh, Once the project is complete and ready, then it comes back in-house, and that's when we start working with our agent partner to prepare and, um, and list the property for sale. So my team in-house, we're a team of three, and then we have partnerships with the realtors. Um, now, my videographer who's with me right now is a part of the team. I consider anyone that works in parallel with us part of the team. We use the same attorney, we use the same title company, we use the same lenders, so they're all partners, um, and I consider them part of the team. They're just not under the De Silva uh, group umbrella. That's awesome. That's nice. a great way to think about it too. And then people should take that
2: thought process when you're going out there sourcing your deals because if you treat other people like partnerships, it, it creates a, such a better work environment and people always come back to you. So great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you've gotten from that one deal three, four years ago, and, and let's talk about today. What does what your business look like in terms of projects right now today?
1: <laughs> so the... Our core competency is, is still at a levels and we still focus on, um, buying dated capes and ranches and blowing the roof off. That's what, uh, I would say nine eighty to 90% of our projects look like we'll do new constructions when that opportunity presents itself and we'll do quick cosmetic rehabs and we'll even wholesale some stuff when those opportunities present themselves. But our core competency is at a levels and that's what that's what moves the needle. So I don't ever want to forget that. That's that thing that I am sometimes guilty of that one in particular. I'll always stay true to until this business has a more seismic shift where we're doing something else. But for now, that's what keeps the machine moving and that's what affords me the luxury to create a coaching program and do the videography and create a supply house where we're uh, going out and sitting with vendors and, and all this sort of stuff. It's, our core competency is still that, and of the six projects we've got working right now, five are out of levels, and, or seven. Of the seven we've got, five are out of levels. Two are um, full gut renos, so they might as well be out of levels based on the size and scope of the work. Uh, so, I mean, people call them cosmetic rehabs, but we've gutted them completely, and we're putting all new mechanicals up and down. We're just not uh, putting an addition on them. So that, that's what our projects um, look like for the most part.
0: That's amazing. And for everybody that's listening out there, I mean, take that to heart. Gabe just gave you the secret to his business. He has focus. He's focused on one thing, his one thing, and he knows what he's good at. (laughs) So everyone out there, figure out what in this business you're good at and take that to the next level. Then look at the shiny objects, then expand your business, then do more. But until then, find that focus. But thank you for that, Gabe. That was huge. Thank you.
2: So in terms of your business right now, what are you constantly working to improve on right now?
1: We so I I always think we're good with systems. I mean, like I geek out on that stuff. That's my background, I guess. I I think that was always my nature as a kid. Even I always think we're good on that stuff. But I'm a firm believer that any process can be systematized. A lot of people argue that um, high-level, large-scale renovations can't be systematized. Well, I'd argue otherwise. I think we've figured out a way to do that. I just don't ever want to think, okay, we've got it figured out completely. I think we're always looking for tweaks there. So from that standpoint, we're revisiting all of our milestone templates and all of our processes either, like if, if we had developed a new process, for example, Like every week at the beginning, we're touching that process and we're looking at like, how do we tweak it further? Um, Once we've got it far enough along, we're like, we don't necessarily need to touch this every week. Now we're looking at that process every month, then every quarter, then every six months, once we've got them. So for example, like our um, chart of accounts um, for the P&Ls for our individual project management, like we don't touch that more than once a year now because, well, for one, you don't want to really mess with that too much. But at the beginning, we were constantly adding expense lines to that. Our, um, our rehab milestone template, which we use to manage our projects in the field, we've actually um, tightened it and it's, it's 47 steps. And we were just in the office this morning and I thought we should add a 48th step somewhere in the middle there, something that I noticed we continually miss. So that's what I'm doing like every day. I think I'm paying attention to those things and getting that tighter so the machine and the core competency of the machine continues to do its thing. And then the other piece of what I do every day is chase the shiny objects. What are our new revenue streams? We're trying to build a, a six legged stool. I think Tony Robbins calls it the six legged stool. So we want six revenue streams at any given time. That way, if for whatever reason, something falls out from under us, the whole stool doesn't tip. Yes. So our core competency is what it is. And then here's silver supply company selling bathtubs and, and here's um, us wholesaling two or three houses and here's us doing this thing. So that, that's what I'm working on kind of at a higher level but still trying to be conscious of the fact that like this thing is what pays for everything. Don't forget that.
2: That's awesome.
1: Well, I let's love talk
0: it. a little bit more about your stool. Tell because you kind of dropped little hints on other other projects. You have your supply company. You have your you have your uh, your, your, build your build company. company. Your, your
2: education platform. Uh, ideally, uh, your video platform. So it's, it's amazing that, that you have that mindset and I, are you trying to keep them all vertically integrated? Is that the process mm-hmm. here?
1: Yes. Yep, exactly. Keep everything, uh, in the like real estate investment vein, um, in this space, just because that's what we know. And that's what we're doing now. So we still do add a levels. Obviously that's, that's our core competency. We're, we're inventorying we're we're warehousing and selling off vanities and tubs and Hopefully, some millwork and some things like that. We're doing wholesales. That's that's like right in this vertical. Also, Um, the education piece of it, like coaching programs. I'm working to develop those. Uh, My goal this year is to double from. I consider, like, I say, we have three. We have three. We have three, like legitimate revenue streams. I want six by the end of the year, and that's that's what we're working on. And I want six six good ones that flow. Not six, like, I'm trying this, but it's not quite working. So the three that we have now, they make money. I want three more that do the same um, efficiently. That's awesome. So so if you couldn't be an entrepreneur and couldn't do what you're doing, what would you do and why? If I couldn't be an entrepreneur, oh, my God. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Well, I I often say, like, I would never go back. I would never go back. If you ever see sometimes in those movies where, like, someone gets – Uh, Breaks out of prison and they have that dialogue where like I would rather die than go back. Yeah, that's how passionately I feel about Entrepreneurship like what we do is tough. It can be lonely at times. It's a lot of work but the thought of going back to the cube farm like No, (laughs) I just I don't know. I don't know what else I would do. This is all I This is all I want to do and I don't know that I'll ever stop doing it either. Like I love the hustle. I love to work Uh, I don't know maybe one day I'll want to write a book and Do that on go on sabbatical for a year and write a book on an island or something. But right now, no way. I love the hustle too much. So, being that you you worked at a cubicle at
2: one point in your life, there's a lot of people in that point, and they find they find that that being maybe a safety net, but they're yearning for more. How how do you give them advice of something they can do to to break out of that that need to have? Mm -hmm. I I, the best term
1: I have is a safety net. Uh, well, this is it's funny because. I thought a lot about this recently, with, especially with attending the two conferences. Well, I know that there was a lot more in it than that for me, being able to have escaped like the cube farm now. I know that there's like, I'd like to help honestly 50 people do the same in the amount of time it takes me to build this thing to 50 million bucks. And the way that I think I can best do that, like, not everybody needs to want to do seven figures investing in real estate. If you're unhappy working wherever it is that you work, making 48K a year, like, if you've got a hobby that you're passionate about, like, with today, with technology the way it is today, you can go and do whatever it is that you love to do and supplement that same 48K. I know like 100% certainty that that can be done because there's enough people that like whatever it is that you like and are good at that will pay you to teach them how to do it. I mean, we just turned this coaching like switch on recently and we're already being, like people are already reaching out and saying, hey, I'd love to learn how to do add levels in my market. Can you kind of help me? And, and I'm excited about that. So I think what I would say is, at the end of the day, it's gonna sound, I mean, you have to take action. What action to take uh, that, that's all out there. I mean, someone like us can, can talk them through that if they wanted it, coach or a mentor or something like that, or they can find it all online. There's plenty of forums that, whatever it is that they're passionate about. There's forums for it. There's places where they can go and research it and then how to monetize it. You can literally monetize anything, like anything. True. <laughs> so, yes. I'm not saying if you make two and a quarter a year working like for a CPA firm, like you got an uphill battle right? You're not going to start flipping houses tomorrow and supplement that, replace that two and a quarter a year. Uh, but if, if you're making six figures or close and doing something that you really genuinely hate doing and you're willing to take a little bit of a pay cut, like I'm pretty confident you can go make 60 to first year out doing whatever it is that you like doing. Yeah. So awesome. I mean, I guess that's my advice to them. It's not as tactical as I think people might want, but yeah, well, it's basically it's
0: having faith in yourself,
1: and mm-hmm. also that you can find
2: anything you want out there. But sometimes, where where maybe a mentor or just having guidance or, or just having someone by your shoulder, even a partner, it just it gives you that nudge and gives you that confidence. Where where you may have all the information in front of you, but you're just so scared. Maybe you're worried you're missing something, and and that mm-hmm. the action needs to you just need to take action and taking mm-hmm. that action really is how you gain the confidence that, that at least cause you'll pivot. You know, if you take action and you find out that maybe some of the steps you're taking are just a little off track. Okay. Well, you tried that. Nothing went crazy. No one came and took your dog and said, you know, <laughs> it's over. They just said, they yeah. said all right, well, now that's to the next track. So now that's yeah. awesome. I love it. So mm-hmm.
0: here's a serious question for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Get ready. Get ready. So if you had to battle, Godzilla, what weapon would you use?
1: Godzilla. It's like some David and Goliath type stuff. Uh-huh. That's right. I mean, I guess I take his same approach where we're small, we're nimble. Uh, I, I liken it to the stuff that we're doing now that's differentiating us from other builders here locally. So I just recently joined, not recently, a year ago, I joined the... Um, Metro. It's it's the uh, North Jersey Builders Association, the subsidiary of the National Builders Association. And what I think we're getting the most love for, what we're being recognized for by the bigger guys, is that we're doing some cool creative stuff on social media. We're differentiating ourselves by doing videography, by consistently posting on Instagram and Facebook. And some of them have got people in-house that are doing a lot of that stuff for them, but it's not personal. Like that's the difference between what I do, and I say I'm Gabe De Silva, and I'm building a De Silva Homes product that I'm gonna sell to you and stand behind for the the for the foreseeable future. That means a lot. So I mean, if Godzilla is the big builder, that's mm-hmm. like we're competing with. That's how I look at it. I mean, that's what I can do better than them. I mean, I can't I can't outbuild them. I mean, I can build a better product. I could build a comparable or better product, but I can't build more. I can't scale my team as fast. I can't do a lot of those things, but what I can do is be more personable, be more personal. And that's how I, that's how I battle. That's how I battle them. I love it. (laughs) I love it.
0: That's a good battle tactic.
2: So in line with that,
1: what is your, what is your why for doing all this? Uh, Legacy. So I I put my name on everything we do because when I'm long gone, I want the brand that I'm building while I'm here to stand for something. And I want it to outlive me. So it's, it's been legacy. And I think that was a big, uh, that was a big factor in why I did what I did and when I did it. Cause in food, my name wasn't tied to what I was creating. I was still very proud of the product that we were putting out and the brand that we had built, but something shifted for me when I put my name on what we do now, it's very, very different. And uh, I don't know how exactly to explain that, but at the end of the day, it's about legacy for me and just having building something that'll outlive me. That's awesome. Nice. That's so. Awesome. You
0: have a number, fifty million. How do you get there?
1: So, not that's. So this is what I've been struggling with over the last year or so. This, you don't do more of what you did to make six figures to make seven. So, we we've shifted. We still continue to do our core competency, the thing that keeps the machine moving and makes us money. That'll always be part of what we're doing until, like I said, we have like some sort of seismic shift where the business goes to a whole different level. And maybe now we're building, maybe we've become a production builder and we're doing 50 units on uh, land. That's not going to happen in New Jersey. Obviously there's no land, but but now we're starting to do the other things, the six legged stool. That's how we get there. Uh, we need to do what we do well, continue to make money doing that. And then just another stool, another, another leg under the stool and continue to, uh, prop that stool up with different revenue streams and have those cash flowing also. That's how we get there. Otherwise, I mean, you can get there doing the stuff that we're already doing. I just, I realized that you would have to grow exponentially size-wise to make less money. That, that's been my experience talking to some of the bigger builders is when they say that they do $108 million a year. And I'm like, how big is your team? It's 222 people. I'm like, that's insane. Like, yeah. you know, we're- Right. So we'll do, we'll do, uh, just under 10 million this year, right? Well, we do that with a team of three. If I want to jump from 10 to 50, if you use their math, like my team, it it would grow exponentially. I just, Mm -hmm. I can't wrap my head around that right now. And I don't know that I want to manage that size team. I'd like to grow that size business, but for me, a team that big, I've, I've run big teams before and it's just, it's not my core competency personally. I'm not a manager leader. I can lead but it's not my core competency. I'm entrepreneur, risk taker. I, I create, I, I, I find revenue streams and I bring them to life. That's nice. awesome. That's awesome. And if you
2: were to have maybe yourself three, four years ago or, or just someone new listening to the podcast today that, that's looking to take action but doesn't know that first step to take, what, what's an actual step they can take right now today to get their real estate journey started?
1: They... Well, I'll tell you what I did was when I first got started, I think accountability is, is big. So when I first got started, I would attend every real estate investment meetup locally that I could get, that I could get to. So even three, four, sometimes five nights a week at the beginning, it was insane. And a lot of them are a bust and you quickly realize which ones don't make sense. But the handful that I attended at the beginning and some that I still do today, i made made a conscious effort. And this is something that you say every time we get together, at your event is like have something new to say next time you're here have taken some some small step and i would make a conscious effort each month so you know i would assume i'm going to sit at the same table with the same people next month but i don't want to tell them the same introduction i want to be able to say hey this is who i am told you that last month but here's what i did uh i sat for my real estate licensing exam i wrote seven offers i uh you know every month be doing something taking some little step because Those 12 little steps look like one big step at the end of year one. And then you start taking bigger steps each month after that. And now these things look a lot bigger. I didn't go from where we were three years ago to where we are now. Like it didn't just happen (laughs) at the beginning, you know, like that learning curves a little flat and then it starts to steepen. Then it really jumps. Um, So that's what I would say. Just like small steps, do stuff, take action little bits at a time. And then you get there.
2: It's amazing because it, even with our meetup, just we're so psyched because we started off, you know, just got a
1: group of people together to
2: just see what happens. And just each time seeing more and more people take action, it gets us so energized because we're, we're so excited coming in and seeing people, ah, you know, putting two OIs. So great. You know, it got out there, found my market, super, man. You know, and just it's been killer. So, yeah, that's spot on. I love it. Mm-hmm. Good.
0: So do you have a morning routine? And if you do, what is it?
1: It's, uh, it's inconsistent. It's that for sure. (laughs) But the idea is to get up. Uh, I'm one of those guys that has to shower before I do anything else. And then I try to meditate. Uh, I struggle with that. There's whole weeks where I don't do it at all. There's even been whole months where I don't do it at all, but I try and get that space to just clear my mind first thing in the morning. And if I can do that, and then immediately after that, like when you're in that right headspace, is just uh, open the, the journal and your calendar for the day and just set your intention for that day. Uh, that and then a little bit of exercise, which I also have been really slacking on. Like those three pieces, I mean, when I'm doing them consistently in the morning, sets the tone for the day. And I used to have, and when I do do it now still, sometimes I have great days. When I don't do it, I feel it. So, I mean, for me, it's meditation, it's some journaling, and then it's um, it's the third one. I forget already.
2: <laughs> Exercise. We got you. We got
1: you. Yep. That's how long it's been since I exercised. And I'm supposed to be running that marathon. I told good. you,
2: remember? we'll keep you to nice. it.
1: Yeah, three love months it. from yesterday.
2: It'll be a good one. It will just start getting warm, so you know, 50 yeah. degrees will feel like it's 80 here. So you'll you'll love it. So
1: that's yeah.
2: amazing. Well, what are some words you live by?
1: Um, get shit done.
2: There you go. Nice. Boom. wait, you heard it, guys. That's, that's it. on the
1: walls here. It's uh, our theme. So there's, there's two. So we have a theme in the office, which is get shit done at all costs. We, uh, like whoever you have to be on the phone, you be that person. Like we ask for forgiveness, not permission, and we just get it done no matter what. And I try and instill that same mindset in my team here locally at the office when we're on the phones, and when we're trying to get appointments, inspections, whatever the case is. And in the field, it's no lost days. Uh, I don't ever want there to be a day on a project where there's nobody on site. I and mean, obviously that stuff happens, but every day I want us to be progressing, towards our goal, towards the finish line, somebody there doing something. So get shit done and no lost days are our are two kind of like mottos here. There you
2: go.
0: Nice. I, I yeah. have to say that's probably one of like the top three yeah. words to live by I've heard. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, love get it. shit done. Love it.
2: <laughs> so it's been amazing to have you on the show. Thank you. What would, would be you. the best way? So we, we have the build, which you can find on YouTube. What's some other uh, ways that uh, some of our listeners can uh, check you out find out more about you?
1: Yeah, so I'm most active, I'd say, on probably Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm fielding messages there constantly. Uh, I respond to every single message that I get uh, across all the platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or even uh, comments on the YouTube videos. So any of those platforms are a great place to reach me. We're redoing both our websites right now. So... Um, the contact forms there work, obviously, and I still see those emails. But the websites don't look quite that great right now. So I would say, by the time this drops, hopefully we've got those um, we've got those refreshed, and people can go there and see the projects that we've recently completed and more about what we're all about and what we're doing. But I would say social, just because it's it's so immediate. It's so shoot me messages on any of the platforms that your listeners are on, and, and I'll You're get back to you. Gave to Silva at all platforms. Yeah. Gabe to Silva across all the platforms. Perfect.
0: And then if somebody wanted to get on your coaching program,
1: how could they? Uh, the coaching program, so there's there's a couple of different things that we do. And the one that I'm enjoying the most is, uh, is the real estate ride-along. So I've got people that come to the office and spend the day with me. And we do a half day in the office and we do a half day in the field. And we talk through all the whiteboards and the systems that we implement in the office to run all the administrative stuff. And then we spend a half day in the field with my project manager looking at the logistical piece and how we run the jobs and how we manage the trades and who's coming in in what order and how we keep the job sites. Like that's something I'm especially proud of how we brand ourselves on the job sites. Uh, so I've had a couple of people come out and do the ride along with me and that's the one I honestly, um, like the best. I mean, I really do enjoy that. It's uh, a day spent together just running and gunning and I'm working while they're with me. So they get to see what we actually do every day and, uh, Yes. I'm having a lot of fun with that one, I'd say is probably the best. And then I do something else. that's kind of like more customized and someone that's trying to find out, you know, is, are Ada a levels, an option in my market? Uh, so we're someone in Washington, one in Raleigh, like people all over the country, you know, this, I really like this model. And I think there's opportunities for it elsewhere. A lot of people don't think to look at that when they go check out a property, but highest and best use in, you guys know our market, a lot of places where we are operating highest and best use is to blow the roof off. And so deals are hard to come by if you find one and, you know, you're not comfortable with the construction piece, maybe go find a contractor that is and partner with them because the upside is there. So
0: it's great. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for being on our show, Gabe. So grateful.
2: Absolute wealth of knowledge and thank you for all of our listeners out there. And uh you can check out this uh podcast when it comes out on YouTube at the RAI Foundation. And also if you love what you heard here today, which you got so much knowledge from, please go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and review. Gabe, thank you. Incredible, incredible what you're doing. We uh are just psyched. We can't wait to have you back on and talk systems. Yeah. And Gabe's gonna be at our meetup for anybody listening out there uh February twentieth. He will be talking all things systems and uh this is a way that on all platforms, whether it's flipping multifamily, that you can really set up your business to succeed because your business isn't completely relying on you. And we we can't wait to see what you come up with for that
1: one. I'm excited too. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, thank you, Gabe.
2: Gabe. Right. So
0: this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Again, thank you so much to Gabe De Silva, and thank you to you. So grateful to you for listening and watching. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye now.